2: Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. It is a delight to bring back to the show my good friend Sam Stone. He is the host of his own radio show, heard here every Saturday morning at 9 a.m., Breaking Battlegrounds. He is a political consultant in town, and his Twitter or X or Twix account is at SamThePaul. Paul. posts tremendously interesting stuff. I like what he put is this a new new tag you have co-host breaking battle radio show breaking battlegrounds radio show and podcast that Kerry Lake policy guy <laughs> is that new I didn't know if you I, I don't remember yeah, seeing I, that before
3: so I added that because I just came back from Nebraska yes. uh, in a couple of other states doing some work yeah. and one of the funny things that kept repeating was People would actually recognize me yeah. and be like, oh,
2: you're that Carrie Lake yeah. policy guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny the nicknames. I don't know what mine is, but um, I, I'm afraid to ask. I, maybe you do. <laughs> I'm afraid to know what mine <laughs> is, but I'm afraid to ask. You write Geek Sports nut Housing Authority for 1.5 cats. How do we do one and a half cats, Sam? Well, because one of them's a feral. Ah, yes. Ah yes, okay. One of them is a feral cat. So there's an um there was a did you see the piece in the Wall Street Journal about a week ago about cats and uh, an argument on behalf of of cats even though they are such destroyers of so many other living beings, rodents and birds and snakes and stuff. Did you see I, this did. I did. I did. Yeah. And and uh, you're still going to be a cat guy, huh?
3: I'm still a cat guy. Uh, look, I think we really need to do a much better job of funding uh, TNR programs and street removal programs, yes. especially when you get sick. And in and, you know, cats that are at the end of their life and really suffering. You got to do something about that. Uh, yes, but sir. but uh, overall, I'm too much of a cat lover to, to change.
2: OK, uh, let's move on. I want to do some serious policy stuff with you, some politics with you. But we have to dispense with something here. I was watching the, um, I was watching the, uh, what was it, uh, the San Francisco game last Sunday, and I was, um, maybe you shouldn't watch TV when you're hungry. Maybe that's the lesson. But I that's saw a great lesson. <laughs> I, was, I saw a Pizza Hut commercial, Sam. And I, I tell you, it was everything I could do to keep myself from ordering a Pizza Hut pizza. It looked so darn good. And then I recalled one of our conversations about food that used to be good that isn't anymore. And these TV ads over food, we need to nominate a couple and, and issue a couple cautionary tales these TV food ads that are the greatest lies. I think the Pizza Hut ad is a lie. I wonder if you have any other candidates for food ads that are lies, restaurant ads that are lies.
3: Well, like every McDonald's ad, right? I mean, here's the thing about McDonald's. It may taste fine, but your burger is literally going to be tossed into that box, like <laughs> in separate handfuls. <laughs> and then you see the ad and it's like perfectly built yeah, out, yeah. a little curly of lettuce coming yes, off it.
2: yes. <laughs> They never do look like that, do they? they oh, do God, that.
1: no. Sam, I have a theory with McDonald's. Go for it, young David. The first bite is always the greatest, and it goes downhill from there.
3: <laughs> I think that's exactly right, which may be why there was some, you know, very attractive young woman the other night uh, demonstrating her ability to eat a Big Mac in one bite. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. Well, it's that... impressive. I give it, you know
2: there 's something too we just had I think you know rabbi Alush, uh, a, a rabbi in town here i i, I have him on, I had him on just before you, but the week week ago he was in here, and he was saying one of the ways you know something is probably ultimately not good is if it feels good at the time and you feel bad later as opposed to yes. something that is ultimately good doesn 't feel so good at the time it 's hard work it, it you know it takes mustering but we'll feel good later. And I'm just thinking maybe McDonald's is an example of the former. It tastes good at the time, but after a little while, maybe not so much. Maybe that's oh, a, it's, it's totally that. Yeah, like that. yeah. And
3: Dunkin' Donuts, they're just gut bombs that suck you down the rest of the day.
2: <laughs> All right. I have one more TV ad that I think is a lie, and I don't know if you'll agree with me. Red Lobster is a lie. It, does, <laughs> it looks nothing like that. No, no.
3: Uh, The stores don't look... The stores looked something like that about 25, 30 years ago, actually. Yes, sir. Now now they are maybe not the cleanest, um, well-maintained stores on the planet anymore.
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
3: Uh, So everything
2: about that's a lie.
3: I think they're using 1982 video.
2: (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe video from uh, Le Cirque, the restaurant in New York or something. It it never looks like that. All right. Let's do some... Some, uh, policy work. By the way, uh, as that Carrie Lake policy guy, how's the campaign going? Going okay.
3: I think it's going great. You know, I, I mean, she's got a very clear path, uh, you know, to the to make it to the general election, and then I really do not believe Kirsten Cinema is running. Uh, she hasn't started gathering signatures as an independent. She needs a huge number of them. They, every day that goes by, that becomes a taller and taller task. I don't think she's planning on running.
2: Something interesting is going on. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. You straighten me out, or go with it if you agree. I don't know, but I um, I think. I, I think there's only like five of us that read the Arizona Republic regularly, and, uh, and five people that I know. You're probably one of them because we have to. And um, there's been an interesting trend over the last 10 days, two weeks of the Arizona Republic not only criticizing Kirsten Cinema a lot and repeatedly, but also with that same speculation that you just raised. It's increasingly looking like she is not going to run – What's interesting to me about that is you would think the Arizona my memory is the Arizona Republic used to herald her because she was, you know, this great moderate person and and yet extremely left wing. They could sell her as a moderate while right. and so they it was kind of perfect for them. She's she's kind of a a perfect beard for them, but it looks like they've turned against her a little bit. Am I yeah, misperceiving I it or are you picking up the same thing?
3: No, I, I think they're look. They they realize she's not going to run, and they were all fan fan of her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a certain type, whether it's uh, Kirsten Cinema, Kate Diego, Katie Hobbs. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a certain type that that newsroom just slobbers all over. Okay, and when those ones disappoint them, they get very bitter.
2: Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it looks like she's disappointing. I mean, they are doing negative reports about her travel expenses. They're doing it about— um, Oh, they're letting her up. They're
3: they're trying to cut off any more funding from going to her and get her just to dump this thing and move on.
2: It is fascinating, isn't it? And then there was yeah. this other story. I guess I missed it when it came out. You probably knew it. Um, NBC story, I guess, received an internal memo of hers uh, or uh, an internal memo from her campaign, and they publicized— that her campaign was pointing out that even in the three-way race, she fares poorly.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, that's been obvious for months. I don't think you even need an internal document for that, right? Like Every poll has her in the teens and not gaining any traction or momentum.
2: what happened here? I mean, this woman was the you know, she was what what happened? Is it the same thing that happened to Joe Manchin or not exactly? Or there's only so much patience. What what, what happened here?
3: Not exactly, but similar. I mean, you know, look, at the end of the day, the Democrats are in absolute lockstep when it comes to their candidates. And what what they want is is the most radical candidate they can possibly squeeze through. That's what it is. Right. So. They're they're
2: just you know, the minute she she stepped outside the barn, they cut her loose. That's what it is. That's what it is. And boy, the base did, too, didn't they? Boy, the base. It wasn't just the media. It wasn't just the pros. The base did, too. I mean, the way she she I mean, she she, I don't know how much time she's spending in the district, but I haven't seen I haven't seen her around much.
3: Not much. And, and, you know, I mean, here's the thing. I, I think I've said this on your program before, but Democrats play. Uh, musical chairs with assigned seating when yep. it comes
2: to who gets to run. <laughs> I love that. have not heard that before. All right, let me take a quick commercial break, Sam, and uh, Sam Stone and I will be right back. I'm Seth Leapson, coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Sam Stone can be followed on Twix at Sam the Paul, P-O-L. Sam the Paul. Has a ton of interesting stories he puts up there, and I want to chase down one about, speaking of the Arizona Republic, media and what you can believe in the media, because he posted uh, Dr. Drew speaking with uh, Dave Rubin about his criticisms of the media. Sam Stone and I will be... How much time do I have le- left, young David? Did I miss got about the- a minute ten. Oh, I have a minute ten. Alright, not enough to get into it. So we'll do that when we come right back with more from Sam Stone. I'm Seth Leibson, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot broadcast studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. You can call him Sam. Sam Stone is my guest. Oh, by the way, Sam, before I get back to the media, uh, on restaurant reviews— um, yes. I don't know if you know this place, but young David brought me to a, a place that I've driven by a million times, never stepped into. And I got to tell you, it's one of the best places in Phoenix. Have you ever been to the Dirty Drummer on 44th and Oak?
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. That's very close to me. So I, I hit that spot up once or twice a month. They're great.
2: Well, what took you so long for Ted? Were you keeping it to yourself? The food is great. No, the I... people are great. The music is great. The atmosphere is great. They have a tribute to Tom Selleck. Everything about it is wonderful.
3: I literally mentioned it on your show like six months ago.
2: Oh, really?
3: Yes. Turning the tables on me like that. (laughs) I know. I hate it. You got to hate it when I do
2: that. I'll be there later if you want to meet up, by the way. Um, Okay. So you flagged this. This is really interesting. You reposted this. Dr. Drew, uh, uh, Drew Pinsky, he's he's an addiction psychiatrist. Dr. Drew credits... Robert Kennedy Jr., for a large part of his personal awakening about not believing the media, he says, I've realized that everything in the news is baloney. He doesn't use the word baloney. Everything. There is nothing I can consume on legacy media that I can trust, and that is shocking. It makes you wonder how long it's been going on for. I didn't realize how much speech was being suppressed. You might want to say to him what took you so long, but this is increasingly the opinion of more and more people, Sam. It, you know, I'm not surprised it took him so
3: long because the problem is these media bubbles have been hardened in a way that if, when you're in one, you do not know that the outside world exists. Yeah. So they and they're doing this very deliberately. If you, if you are a New York Times, CNN, MSNBC viewer, you're getting 35 percent of the news and nothing more. They don't even acknowledge news that doesn't fit their narratives.
2: It's interesting, too, though, when they do report on the news, what they leave out and what they get wrong, because I, I learned this phenomenon. I don't know if we've discussed it before. Your memory is clearly better than mine, <laughs> but uh, this phenomenon known as Gellman amnesia, <clears throat> and I learned it from Dr. Drew. It's uh, it's a Michael Crichton creation. It, Michael Crichton wrote it up in one of his novels. But it's the notion, Sam, you will know this phenomenon. Well, uh, have I raised it with you before? I don't mean to be repetitive. But it's when you read a story in the newspaper about maybe yourself or it involves you or something you're expert at, something you know a lot about. You're almost always going to realize that there's something very wrong in that story. They get, they just get something wrong. It, now, I yeah. know this has happened with you. They, they just they are misreporting something. The phenomenon then is why we would turn two, three, five pages into a story about, say, I don't know, Iran or Russia, or Ukraine or anything, uh, domestic even crime. Why we would think that's any more accurate. But we do. For some weird reason, we do. And it's called Gilman amnesia. But this is the story of the media. They really get everything Wrong at least a little bit they
0: do
3: yeah they absolutely do and a lot of it is simply deliberate obviously um, and some of it is the the Ben Rhodes conundrum which is that people yeah. who staff newsrooms these days are very young and very inexperienced and have no frame of reference
2: yeah I think increasingly that's the case uh, i'm I'm amazed too that the distinction between the news pages and the op-ed page has been entirely obliterated. Um, Zero difference. Zero difference now. I I was reading a story in the New York Times to the audience the other day, about a week-old story. Yeah, about a week-old story on Biden's failures in controlling illegal immigration. And it was actually a pretty good story – Mostly a pretty good story, but they did two things that were interesting. The second sentence of the story says, in contrast to President Trump's harsh treatment of illegal immigration. How's the word harsh get into the second sentence of a news story? How does the word harsh get in there?
3: It shouldn't be there at all. And actually, you know, there's really no difference in terms of the they always go back to child separation. Yeah. But, you know, you and I and, and most people know that when you're going to be detaining an adult, you don't lock a child in with a bunch of detained
2: adults. Yeah, right. Um, and For, for two, all the obvious next, reasons, yes.
3: Yeah, and two, if you're not sure that that child actually belongs to that adult, right. you'd be essentially locking them in there with their predator. Right. So, you know, the, that policy is no different and hasn't been any different under three consecutive presidents.
2: No, but it's not a story anymore, interestingly. There's no children in cages being reported about right now. And it's not because... Of course not. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's one thing. And that's where a lot of bias comes in, too. Maybe most of the bias is in what they don't tell you. I think it does. I think that's fair. It's in what they won't cover. How many times have you and I done something or been a part of something or involved in something or witnessed something where you say, you know, why they won't cover this, I have no idea. That's happened a million times.
3: It it happens all the time. and. And that's what I'm talking about with these bubbles. It's not just that they spin the news. It's that if there's news out there that doesn't fit their narrative, like I don't know if you saw, I think it was NBC today, um, you know, or from last night where their anchor was asking their chief, uh, you know, security correspondent, whatever, about these gangs uh, in New York. Oh, I wanted to uh, turn to uh, that. uh, Go ahead. Yeah, good, good. And, you know, he says, well, they're they're stealing here. They're stealing all this stuff. Then they go down to Florida. They they go on vacation. They spend the money. Then they come back here to steal more. And the anchor very instantly goes, well, you know, why don't they just stay in Florida? Why don't they just stay in Florida? And he says, well, because they arrest them mm-hmm. and her. Oh, mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. thought had never crossed her mind. I know.
2: I know. The J schools just aren't what they used to be. Uh, Who was it? Was it Rayleigh Klein who was at ASU, the student at ASU who got fired from her job with the radio station there because she had the temerity to link to a story at the New York Post, I think it was? Whatever it was, it turned out to be a true story, too. But she got fired because it was counter-narrative about some—I sh- think it was a I, I police— I think it was brutality. Hunter's laptop,
3: actually, remember. It might if have I been remember. the laptop,
2: yeah. or it might have been a racial shooting, one or the other. I just don't oh, remember. that's right. It was the, the, the shooting in Waukegan. Yeah, that that's what it was. Wauke- uh, Waukesha, yes. Waukesha, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about that. It turned out to be eminently totally true, and she got fired. And I remember interviewing her, and I said, uh, just out of curiosity, Cronkite School— um, do they have classes on editorial writing or editorial opinion writing? And she said they don't. That surprise you? A journalism school doesn't have, and it turns out because they don't need to. <laughs> that's all yeah, they because, train for. Yeah. Right,
3: right. That's exactly right. There's no reason to have a specific class for that when you're teaching people that that's how you write the news. I mean. I, took a, I did a lot of journalism, student journalism, when I was a kid growing up. Yeah. And you always started, you know, five W's and an H. You, yeah. you, whom and where, what, why, yeah. and how. Yeah. And that was the new, that was your article. Yeah. There was yeah. no room for any of your pontificating. I mean, I would have been, you know, de- de- you know demerited in class or whatever. They would have torn that apart. But now, that's fully expected.
2: Let me uh, do a little bit more on this, and then I want to come back to more of that New York illegal immigration story with the beating up of the cops there. Uh, Sam Stone is my guest. I finally got my clock back so I can hit the break on time. <laughs> I'm Seth Leafs, and he's Sam Stone. We'll be right back. This is Seth Leapson here for my friends from the Midas Gold Group War Room. The MAGA veterans at Midas point out that the Federal Reserve note does not belong to you. It belongs to the Federal Reserve Bank, while the federal debt doesn't belong to the Federal Reserve Bank. That belongs to you. It's your wake-up call to what the Midas Gold Group veterans believe the central bank and government are trying to do, a controlled demolition of our current system with a central bank digital currency to take complete control of our transactional freedoms. Protect yourself. Turn this wake-up call into a phone call to veteran-owned Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000, 480-360-3000, or check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. Always faithful. Midas Gold Group, MAGA. and proud of it. MidasGoldGroup.com. Sam Stone is my guest. One more thing about the Cronkite School uh, of Journalism at ASU, Sam. I don't remember who. Might not even be someone we agree with or know. Um, But someone on Twix the other day raised the question, how many actual – cronkite school students at the school of journalism at asu do you think what percentage do you think even know who walter cronkite is there's no answer that that you can get wrong that I, as far as i know but i bet it's a fair question
3: oh i i assume it is a fair question i guess my only thought would be do they do a quick intro on them and then how many of them remember that yeah in their orientation
2: or whatever i don't know but the the fact that that question can be asked I think, tells you already everything you need to know. I mean, the question, the, the, the fact that it's, it sounds like, actually, that's a really good question. I, 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 I bet it's a high number don't. Uh, it might even be a majority.
3: There's been a lot of focus on the various CRT-based, DEI-based yep. college programs. Yep. But if you want to look at the other three areas that are the absolute worst, that yep. if you're thinking of sending your kid to these, get them out, get them into anything else. Okay, um, It's education majors. Yep, Because that is just... Absolute yep. garbage. Yep. It is, it is business, uh, HR management,
2: yes, human resources, yes. right, yes,
3: and and then obviously the last one is going to come in and be this. Uh, I just totally lost track of where I was.
2: Well, uh, but whatever. Uh, no, I'll, I'll I'll propose a couple yeah. aside from journalism schools. I would propose divinity schools. Um, yes. I, I would. I you look at what goes on at Harvard and Yale Divinity, for example. They have eight th- You know what? Am I wrong on that? Da- young David? No, you're not me- wrong. J- J- David's Cole's giving or- me a tisk tisk. David Weigh in.
1: Go I ahead. say shame on you because you know my alma mater. I was at Biola University. Well, I, we're not saying university. You know, really, we're just saying mostly. I know, mostly, I know. I kid, but after just having had the rabbi in studio with us, yeah. Uh oh. Well, he didn't ice. go to a
2: divinity school. He didn't. No, because he believes in God. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they, there's a lot of a
3: comparative theology is is an avenue for a lot of really bad comparisons in academia.
2: I would send my kid to a culinary school. That I would feel comfortable with.
3: I'd feel great about that. I'd feel great about a tech or trade school. Of I'd feel great about a STEM career. If you you know, look, if your kid's a math genius, you need to send them to the best mathematician you can lay your hands on.
2: Absolutely. Uh, and and there are some good schools that focus on that sort of stuff. I often will say in liberal arts, you know, there's schools obviously like Hillsdale, but there are other schools in the hard sciences that are that are pretty good, like the Colorado School of Mines, for example. It makes all the sense in the world if you want. One of the interesting things about this, Sam, I'm glad you brought this up. Um, you know, one of the things I don't think we think strongly enough about is this notion that has dominated K through 12 education, uh, college and career readiness, that whole notion which kind of forces people into these colleges that really are, um, how did Bacha Unger-Sargon put it the other day, Uh, uh, cranks? They are um, conveyor belts for the Democratic Party. That's what they are. Yeah,
3: that's exactly what they are. And. And you see it's very deliberate. And what's worse is there are certain specific pipelines, like we we're talking about, HR poisons all the businesses right. in this country. Journalism poisons all the news. Uh, academia poisons all the schools. And then the various you know, foreign relations fields poison the State Department, the FBI, CIA, and all of those.
2: Boy, that's a good point. Boy, that is a really good point. The the, the these, these foreign service schools... Like like one of the most famous ones is Georgetown, and that's just a conveyor belt for stupid State Department thinking. That yeah. leads people to think that when they oppose the policy of the president they work for, they have a right to go out and protest their own administration. That's part and parcel of it. Never, This is an incredible phenomenon. This whole notion that this administration has employees by the hundreds who think it's OK to go out – and protest their own administration and they think it's okay because they aren't getting fired. And it turns out evidently it is okay. Right. No, they, look, the, the, the
3: answer to all of this is to reinstitute the standards of actual conduct and the understanding that a kid coming out of college doesn't know anything I'll add something else. When it comes to these particular departments, yeah. they've gotten everything wrong for 70 years. It's yeah. time to try, try a new path.
2: Sam Stone is my guest. He and I will be right back. I do want to turn to that story in New York. It's really incredible. Uh, Yeah, don't go away. A lot more coming up. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, which is your trusted source for precious metals. Sam Stone is my guest. He himself a host. uh, He hosts Breaking Battlegrounds. You can hear it here on 960 every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Say a word about the show, Sam. What's uh, what's What are people going to get if they tune in?
3: You know, we we I think we probably have some of the best guests of any show in the country. It is a long interview format, so you get a little bit more depth. you am going to go on there and hear Rand Paul talking about Anthony Fauci right now. You can go at BreakingBattlegrounds.Vote and you can hear that interview. It's fantastic. Uh, there's great guests every single week on that program. And, uh, it, you know, make sure you tune in and download, go to Spotify, Substack, you know, any of where you get your favorite podcast, because we always have a little extra segment there for you.
2: Good, good, good. Thank you for that. Um, you're you, you are a public policy guy. I mean, you're kind of like me. You use the word geek. Why, why can't we just say wonk? Can't we just say wonk? Isn't that a little sexier than geek? <sighs>
3: Well, but I'm not just a wonk. Okay. I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. I'm into sci-fi. I'm into fantasy. I'm into all of the stuff that nerdism comes with. So I don't even try to hide it. I'm just like, look, it's every area of my life. It is who it is.
2: Okay. Thank you. As a wonk, as a nerd, as a geek, we, um, for which I join you, my heroes have always been nerds. My, um, I, I, um, I hate the fact that we have to go down so many hills of suffering and tragedy and expense by the abandonment of common sense merely because it may come from someone who's a conservative or has an R behind their name, only to wake up after it's so damn too late to do much about it. So this story of Governor Hochul Am I saying her name right? Is it Hochul? Yes. Yeah. In yep. New Kathy York, Hochul. Kathy Hochul in New York, who's now open to deporting, deporting illegals. Now she's open to it after uh, a, a group of migrants uh, battered and assaulted uh, a group of New York policemen um, with uh, impunity and caught on video. Now she says, well, yeah, we need to look at deportations. Wake up and smell. I mean, it it, it just bothers me tremendously. It's not really— better late than never i i'm not in that camp right now it's we didn't have to be here in the first place
3: no we didn't have to be here in the first place and democrat virtue signaling leftist virtue signaling is so much the the origin of so many of our problems and they did it without a second thought it was well if we just do everything you know bend over backwards let them break the law let them do all this then we'll get a a lot of votes from people like this um This the the evil of what they're doing is astounding. And the fact that it takes an incident like this to wake up is pathetic because we've been having people dying by the thousands and tens of thousands around this country from fentanyl, from crime, from all the things that are coming with this open border. So, you know, better late than never. But dang, she is late.
2: You know, you can do this across a few different policies, too, and not just with the governors in various states. But, for example, the Iran policy, you and I aren't exactly on the same page totally when it comes to foreign policy. But obviously, Joe Biden is learning the hard way that just being the not the Donald Trump wasn't efficacious. Well, you know, it's not just that not Donald Trump. I mean, so this goes back to something we touched on in the last
3: segment. But Donald Trump reversed a lot of that 70 years of foreign policy theory. And he, he went against, directly against their advice in area after area, whether it was trade, whether it was Israel, uh, whether it was wars in the Middle East, all this stuff. And he was successful. Mm-hmm. And now here they are desperately trying to re-implement that policy because there's so many people who their entire existence is failure, and they can't stand to have that point out.
2: And they keep bringing back the failed people like the Samantha Powerses and the Wendy, what's her name, Shermans. I mean, they John keep, Bolton. The, they just keep bringing them back. It's odd. It's odd.
3: Well, they they think that if you just do more of what they've already, always done, that 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 will eventually succeed. This is the same thing: with the Democrat poverty programs and everything else. They are so wedded to every idea they've ever had and so unwilling to go back on it. And part of that is bureaucratic inertia because they're terrified if they start firing people. Um, Democrat Party essentially only wins elections because uh, over a third of the country
2: is employed by government. It's incredible. It's incredible. Do you think this light? We'll go off in the heads on policies you and I spend a lot of time on having to do with uh, homeless, like, for example, uh, homeless or crime for that matter, or drug overdose like we're seeing in California. I saw you highlighted that great video of Gavin Newsom's. Um, but do you think California is going to wake up to this? It, it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it. I mean, an in and out, first in and out in the history of the world had to close <laughs> just a little well, while.
3: After re- it was remember that they they do not like private business.
1: Yeah.
3: Right. right. I mean, you know, the, the idea that you're going to have a Soviet government run grocery store that will hand each other their set allotment of non-meats. Um, you know, and soy products for each week is exactly in their alley, because yeah. then those those people would be dependent on them totally for their existence. And, you know, that that is the dream of the Democrat Party. But,
2: but yes, uh, agreed. And and it doesn't. But it does seem to me that they have absolutely no interest in dealing with the failure at all whatsoever. No, the well, human they waste and the human cost. They don't even admit it exists. Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting about what what happened with Gavin Newsom in this store. Tell the audience real quick what happened. Yeah, so a a video
3: Gavin on on some sort of Zoom or something was saying he went to a store at Target. He bought some stuff. He watched someone walk out without paying right in front of him. And he asked the cashier, you know, why aren't anybody doing about it? (laughs) And she responded, well, the, it's the governor. Yeah. He he lowered the threshold. They don't get arrested. Nothing ever happens to them. So they just do what they want.
2: Yeah, incredible.
3: And Newsom's response was, well, get your manager because we need to have a talk about you blaming this on the governor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Gavin Karen Newsom. <laughs> real. Everyone knows it.
2: everyone knows that he lives in this odd state of denial. I don't know if you saw this interview he was doing. I think it was on MSNBC the other night. The reporter just praising him lavishly um, and he was just praising Joe Biden lavishly. And I, I'm looking at someone who is a congenital liar, someone who yes. is who who the way he was praising Joe Biden as such a great man of honor and such a great president. It was so over the top that, you know, when you go so over the top, you just know it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Okay. He tells lie. He tells great tales, but they are almost none of them true. Like he did when he was going after DeSantis uh, on that whole issue of book banning. You know, it, it's right. just not true what he says. Well,
3: the reason they can get away with it goes back to what we first talked about today, which is the media. Yeah, because yeah. the media will not counter the narrative. No. So if you're watching MSNBC, they'll have the clip of Gavin saying saying Florida is banning books. Yeah. And they will not have the fact that none of those books were banned.
2: Yeah. Somehow you can still get them. It's like the fact checkers, too. Do you see how they said it was false that Joe Biden was wearing a hard hat yes, <laughs> the wrong yeah. way? He was. (laughs) Even the fact checkers can't be believed. Sam Stone, you're great. Have a great weekend, my friend. I will talk to you soon. Okay, be good. I'm Seth, and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Thanks for spending some of your um, hour, afternoon, and week with us. We have a great event on March 26th coming up that we're hosting. We're bringing Mike Gallagher into town and Brandon Tatum will be on stage with him, as will I. The three of us will be discussing the election, the issues in the election, and anything on your mind. We're going to open it to a lot of interaction with y'all, and um, you can get tickets at 960thepatriot.com. That's 960thepatriot.com. And we have been doing a giveaway, uh, a week-long giveaway, where we um, asked you to email if you wanted to enter to win tickets, free tickets uh, to the event. You could email young David, and we'll announce them on Friday. Well, today being Friday, and having not announced them, I guess we have no other choice. We have little time left. We are morally
1: obligated. We are
2: morally obligated, uh, and we don't shirk our responsibilities around here. So, uh, young David, uh, who's the winner?
1: For this week, we have... Let's take a look at our list here. Mark Grady. Mark Grady. Mark Grady. Mark? Mark Grady, if you're listening out there in the wild world of Phoenix Radio, you will be contacted on Monday by our promotions director regarding getting you your free tickets. We look forward to seeing you at the event in March. Okay,
2: good. Good, good, good. Congratulations to Mark. Do you know the etymology of the word shirk, as in we shouldn't shirk our responsibility? It's kind of interesting. It's German, we think. We think. Yeah, skirke for scoundrel. Don't be a scoundrel. Scoundrels, evidently, that's what a scoundrel is. I think
1: we should just start calling people scoundrels who don't and, and take care of their responsibilities. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it'll work. Some of think, our projects how here work, do How you think my relationship don't. with my roommate would be if I started calling him a scoundrel for shirking his responsibilities? How,
2: how well is our campaign to get people to start using the word Twix for Twitter X going?
1: I think it's pretty good. Is it
2: going well? I don't know. I I just I, we should we should be careful. What a yeah, well, shirk, a scoundrel. What what's a scoundrel? Someone who's dishonest, I guess.
1: scallywag,
2: a rogue, <laughs> yes. a ne'er-do-well. Uh let me close the show with some words of wisdom from William F. Buckley Jr. Um, I just think it's a great f- quote and it can't be um can't be thought of often enough. So if you'll allow America most historians teach us, has sought to avoid the extremes, to be flexible without resembling silly putty, to be principled without being arch. I think our country is not clearly enough avoiding the former extreme. I think she is in danger of losing her identity, not on account of the orthodoxy that we are being told in some quarters threatens to suffocate it, but for the failure to nourish any orthodoxy at all. God bless you all. On behalf of Mr. Bill Terry and David Dahl, I am Seth Leepson Until Monday, class dismissed.